Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by Casey's own CBD American Shaman. Score yourself free samples of great all-natural CBD products at a CBD American Shaman near you. CBD American Shaman. Everything is better with the feather. Now your host, Nate Bucati. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your video content. We uh, appreciate you uh, checking out the show, listening, liking, subscribing, all of those things. And uh, we are presented by Michelob Ultra. As always, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. On my left is the one and only, soon to be wed, Allie Trost. Allie, how are you? Yeah, last show is just Allie Trost. We'll be Allie Trost Martin this time oh, next week. Except I won't be on that show, but the the next show. You're not so. you're not going to join us two days after your. your I mean, I can I can phone in from my honeymoon. Uh, question if you guys are interested. Right <laughs> I mean, what are we committed to? Our our husband or the show? <laughs> Allie, we'll always for the show. <laughs> And to my right is the already married Jacob Peterson. Jacob, how are you? I am great. I am great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to have you, man. We got a lot to talk about on the show today. We had a wonderful weekend at Children's Mercy Park, where uh, the United States men's national team played to a sellout crowd. Uh, a performance will will rehash uh, against uh, Uruguay, nil nil. The final score in that one, almost eight thousand fans for the KC Current game over the weekend yeah. as well. Really. Just a good showing for Kansas City when it comes to the world of soccer in advance of a massive announcement that's coming up a little over a week from now with uh, FIFA letting us know whether or not uh, Kansas City is going to be a World Cup city um, coming up in 2026. We'll talk about all those things. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have Uri Russell come on the show, midfielder for Sporting Kansas City. We'll have a deep dive into his background and talk about him growing up in the Barcelona system and then coming to the United States as a 19-year-old. And then we'll preview a big matchup coming up against the defending Supporter Shield winners, the New England Revolution, and they've got some news on the transfer market that came out this week as well, so we'll talk about all of those things also. So we got a lot coming up on the show, and let's start with it, guys. Children's Mercy Park, we all, we all had a different perspective on this thing. I went as a fan. I did do a little pregame show here from uh, 2 to 3 at the Budweiser Brewhouse, which was fun. Allie, you were working from, uh, from a fan entertainment standpoint, yes. getting everybody fired up for the game. Jacob, how did you take in the game on, uh, on, uh, over the weekend? Well, I, I taped it, and we went to uh, took the family with the off week to uh, a festival. Uh, Shawnee Mission, or not Shawnee Mission, it was Shawnee, old Shawnee days. Old Shawnee old days, Shawnee? Yeah. yes. Um, so then I watched it back later. Okay. Um, watched it a couple times, actually, but you guys were there, so you yeah. guys tell me how I hear, I heard that the atmosphere was <laughs> yeah. great, yeah. and Allie, you were hyping up the crowd. I, I was doing my best. I mean, the crowd was already very hyped. I, I think we were all kind of wondering what the, the, the turnout would look like, and I mean, it ended up being an absolute perfect day 
for a soccer yeah, game. I mean, the weather could not have been any better. Um, but especially coming off of the comments from Christian Pulisic when they played in Cincinnati, not very happy with the fan turnout at that match. It was I, it was hard to see an empty seat. Now, the, the Uruguay like fans wearing the, the jerseys that looked very similar to the color of the light blue seats at CMP, those kind of looked, even though there were fans in the seats, those were the only ones that looked empty, even though they weren't. We, uh, we you know, I went with my family. We sat in the uh, south stand. Um, and it, for me, like, I don't get to do that very often, yeah. obviously, because we're working the games here. Um, it was a reminder to me that there just isn't a bad seat in this building. First yeah. of all, that was the kind of thing that stood out to me was, you know, I, I honestly, I went online when they went on sale and bought the cheapest tickets they had because my opinion was there's not a bad seat in this place. And the seats were great. Like yeah. our vantage point was awesome. We were we got to we were right behind Christian Pulisic as he took a couple corners at the end of the game. We did have a decent number of Uruguay fans right around us, and they were loud and they were in full voice. But the American fans were were great. They were louder, and honestly, having both in the stadium made it kind of fun. I mean, and my son at one point, and he comes to all the sporting games. He comes to, he's been to, you know, cup finals here and all that. Said he thought it was the coolest atmosphere he'd ever been to because it was the national team. We'd seen the national team yeah. play here before, but not to crowds like that, not to the, the type of energy there was. Um, so I thought that was great. And I, I could be wrong. I can speak for myself. I was more excited for this game than I think any national team game I've seen here because I'm more excited about this team, yeah. I think, and, and this upcoming World Cup. And we got to see a lot of these young, exciting players. On, I mean, there wasn't really, in terms of players that were available, and in other words, not injured, I'm, I'm not I'm drawing a blank if there's any. I, I guess I kind of wanted to see Cameron Carter-Vickers play a little bit. But other than that, like – I got to see all the guys I wanted to see play in the game, and I thought most of them showed showed pretty well. Did it help for you at all that they've already qualified? Did that did that help make the well, viewing experience more enjoyable? I mean, yes, because <laughs> I thought like pe people kept asking me, "What is this game? D does it really matter? It's a friendly. Why, why should people pay money to come watch it?" For me, this is one of the only opportunities they have to get ready to ramp up for this mm -hmm. World Cup. You just don't get that many chances to work together as a team. So I thought there was a lot yeah. to play for in this game. The result not being the, the situation, but the, the, the performance being the, the, the thing that mattered. And, and a um, good number of positions yeah. that still need to be locked down. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, to me, the biggest thing about these international friendlies now is who's going to lock up some of those positions that are kind of up in the air right now. What do you number think, nine being still, I mean, yeah, we'll get kind to of a that. big one. Yeah, we'll get, yeah. But what did you think overall of, of this? Well, and, and Stu Holden said it on the broadcast, and, and this was really their best competition. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the best team that they're going to play leading up to the the World Cup in what six months or so. Um, so it was a good test. It, it was a really good test because that Uruguay team is really good and. and since they made that coaching change, they've haven't lost. I don't think so. They they've been flying, and, and it was cool to see that midfield. I, I think for me, like yes. that's Weston McKinney. Obviously, he, he was injured. Didn't only played forty five minutes in, in that game, but to see him and, and Adams and Musa, who are so dynamic, and, and that's. I mean, there's so many. We were having this conversation earlier. There's so many good players on this team that there are going to be 
guys who deserve to start who are going to be left off. Yeah. yeah. Brendan Aronson is one of my favorite players that the U.S. have. And is he a winger? Is he a center mid? He played center mid in Cincinnati against Morocco and was the best player, maybe the second best player behind Pulisic out on the field. But, I mean, there are just so many good players. Where do you play Wea? Do you play him out mm-hmm. wide? Do you play him up top, as you mentioned? But they go – I mean, six, seven guys deep, especially in that midfield. There, there are a lot of good players. So, so I thought it, it was cool to see that group because that's going to have to. I mean, especially against England, you're going to have to outwork them, and we have we've got the young guys to do it. Well, and, and one of the things when you mention those those players, the midfield and the wingers, like if you just take those, that group as one thing, um, I love that fact because also we're talking about some dynamic guys with pace that you can bring in off the bench Mm -hmm. in the 60th Mm -hmm. minute of games. And I feel like my memories of World Cup teams that have been really good, and this is really old, but I remember 1998 France having an 18-year-old Thierry Henry. He didn't start on that team. He came off the bench, and what a nightmare. And you've been chasing this France team around on the field for 60 minutes. And when you get to play in the World Cup, you're playing, you know, games in short succession. Guys are going to get tired and all that. And I don't remember us having us being the U.S. having guys with that type of dynamism and pace that can start a game, and then two more that you can bring in off the bench that have fresh legs in the last thirty minutes of a game. I feel like that could be a major weapon. Because we haven't, we we right. haven't yeah. had this deep right. uh, of of a roster where you can go multiple guys in, and it's just not one or two, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys are playing at the biggest clubs in the world. Even the guys who are playing in MLS can come in there, and yeah. MLS has improved so much over the years that, I mean, I thought Paul Ariel had a great game when, when he came in. He's just that energy and that passion that he brings that, yeah, maybe there are better players individually skilled, but, man, I want somebody like that on my team because mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're going to get from him. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so many good guys, but it does come down to, and everybody's talking about it, but. Who's going to play nine? Who's going to play that number nine? And, I mean, that's a tough one for, for Greg Berhalter to, to figure it out. Okay, let's do it then. Because to <laughs> me, it's it's who's going to play left center back right next to uh, Zimmerman. It seems like Zimmerman's got it locked down. And who's going to play the nine? So let's go do it right now. You The World Cup starts tomorrow, Allie. Who are you writing down as your number nine to start the game? I, I mean, I think you've got to go with whoever is in the best form. Because you need, I think, that player to be incredibly confident going in. Why are you smiling like that? So give me a name. Because I mean, you know, this, it's, I, this it's hard the, because I was literally tweeting. I was the I was a conductor of the Ricardo Pepe train, like literally yeah. six months ago. And now, yeah. I mean, has he scored a goal? Like, well, do we know? I can't it's, it's like you got number nines that are playing in the biggest leagues, like the top five leagues in Europe, and they're not scoring goals. <laughs> then you got guys that are playing in the tier of leagues that are really good, but right below those top five that are scoring goals. So which which is the better thing to have? Which is the more important thing? But, like, thing? isn't form one of the most important things? Like, you need that That's confidence. Or, or how, says. I mean, how are they going to? So who's in the best form? I mean, Pepe's – I mean, uh, Ferreira's For, I mean, leading MLS in goals right now. I guess I'd go with Ferreira, but I wasn't particularly impressed against Uruguay. But I was impressed – overall by the you team's performance. Somebody, I'm going with Ferreira, I guess. <laughs> Not happy or confident about it, though. Because this is the thing. Everybody, like, you know, every every pundit out there thinks they know better than Greg Berhalter what I, he should do. You have to, Somebody's going to have to make a decision. He's going to have to make a decision. Yeah, and I, I don't think that I – I'm not the 
the coach of this team. So fortunately, the decision does not fall on my shoulders, but I would I would go with the player that's in the best form. Now, everyone on Twitter would scream, but he plays in MLS. And that is yeah, a, a big, matter. I know, I know it doesn't matter, but that seems to be a knock that people have on some of these guys who have made it into the roster that do play in MLS. All right, Jacob, who are you going with? If, the, if our first game is, I think it's Wales, right? Is that the first yep, game? If that was game. next week, I'm starting Ferreira. Yeah. And then Abobasi is my number two. Uh, Abobasi. He wasn't called into this camp, but he's tied with Ferreira, top of MLS in mm-hmm. goals. Young player. He's been in that mix before. He's yeah. also flexible, just like Ferreira, can play out wide as well. Um I just I would have to go with one of those guys who are scoring. Uh, yeah. I don't I I'm not going to go to a guy who's not getting major minutes uh, on a, a team just because he's in Europe. That makes absolutely no mm-hmm. sense to me. Um, uh, Pepe or Sargent or somebody like that. Wright maybe. Hashi uh, Wright like he's scoring goals, but I, you know I I haven't seen enough to really know. Um, but I, I'm going Ferreira. Let me, let me ask it uh, from this standpoint, because I think form is, is a huge component to it. But I also think that fit is a big component yeah. to it because it can depend on the style of play you want, right? Daryl DK was a darling for a lot of people because he was scoring goals like crazy in the championship. Well, he was on a team where his big physical style worked. They lumped the ball into the penalty area. He'd bully guys around and score a goal. That's not exactly how the United States men's national team wants to play. They're not looking to just bring it down the flanks and whip crosses in like crazy. They've got this great midfield that can build, and they've got wingers that are dynamic. What's the right fit? I'm not even asking you for a name, Jacob, but what type of center forward, if you could just draw it up, what type of number nine? Are you looking for a big target guy? Are you looking for a guy that can link up really well uh, and make dangerous runs? What what type of player would be the best for this team? Well, the exact type of player that Jesus Ferreira is. He the literally the exact type. Now, I'm listening to you know watching the broadcast, watch it twice, and hear the the pundits and experts talk about how oh he didn't finish those two chances. Those are those aren't easy chances. No. I, yeah. I don't. I, I guess I don't see no. any really negative from this U.S. team in, in these two games because Uruguay's a, a very good team. And to me, talking, but that I feel like that's U.S. soccer, Twitter, and just the the environment is it's always so negative. But Ferreira is a perfect type of guy for for how you want to play. Can come underneath, can link up. Also, though, has pace to get in behind, makes those runs. He scored a bunch like that with FC Dallas. He's actually a good finisher in the league. If you watch him mm-hmm. game in and game out, he he's a good finisher. Um, he works hard defensively. I, I mean. I, I, I am so positive about him, um, so I'm the complete opposite. But I, I just don't understand how people watch this team play and could think any negative sort of thoughts or, or feelings about this, this this group of young players. Well, I think what the problem is, you know, U.S. soccer Twitter is just such a terrible place to be. Well, it's, and, it's not reality. I mean, there were, I, someone tweeted, and I thought this was, like, perfect. If the U.S. had gotten this result in qualification, it would have been – everyone would have been like, yes, like, yeah. amazing. But because I think now, I, I think there is that extra pressure now where it was like, whoever's starting at the nine, I think people want to see goals, no matter who the opponent is, which isn't necessarily the right logic. But, I mean, 
It's an oversimplistic viewpoint of the number nine position to say that it's all about goals. Of course, that's part of the job, and it's mm-hmm. a big part of the job. There's many other parts to the job, too. And teams that have had number nines who don't score have won World Cups, just like the last World Cup. I would point that out to people. But the problem with it, it to me, is people have, have decided to dig into their camps. Those that support American-based players in MLS – and those that think <laughs> that the only good players are in Europe. And so if you're one of those people that wants to defend all the MLS players, you think Paul Ariola played well and you think Scally played terribly <laughs> and, and yeah. Ferreira didn't finish his chances. If you, if you support MLS players, or, you know, and I mean, I, I, I mixed, I crossed those over, but you understand what I'm saying. If you, if you think that all the European players are the only ones that are good, Joe Scally is just an 18 year old that needs more opportunities and should be given more of a chance. And Jesus Ferreira shouldn't be out there. And it's, can can we not just evaluate the players and separate like them for just who they are yeah, as for, players? And and so that's the part that drives me a little bit nuts about the conversation. My, my thoughts, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Jacob, about Ferreira. Um, I am I'm with you. I thought the shot attempt, the first shot attempt, was actually really impressive. The way he took his first touch was immaculate, and he turned and he squeezed the, off a shot with power on it in a very tight window against a really good experienced center back. To me, the fact that he turned that into a decent shot on goal shows that's what a, that's what a good number nine does. It wasn't a goal. That that's I don't know what the XG on that is, but it couldn't have been very high, in my opinion. The second one, yes, it was right at the doorstep, but that ball was flying at him. <laughs> it wasn't a good ball. It wasn't a good ball. <laughs> the I, fact that he got on it, to me, was impressive. You know, So I don't think it's fair to say he should have scored that. My one, if I had a, a, a gripe or a nitpick, I guess, was I didn't feel like his hold-up play was great sometimes. When they were, when the U.S. was pinned back, they were trying to play out of the back, but every once in a while they'd have to lump one up the field. And I felt like he kind of got bullied off the ball by the two big center backs from Uruguay a little bit. And I could understand if somebody wanted to say, hey, if you're playing England and you don't have as much of the ball, you need somebody up there that can hold it. Um, is that a fair? Is that, that a fair that's criticism? Fair. But let's yeah. not forget that those three center backs from Uruguay are top top center backs in the world and experienced uh, and experienced and big. guys <laughs> yeah. who have played yeah. in, in Champions League finals and won La Liga. It to me like this is why we can't have nice things, right? We finally <laughs> have all these good players, and we somehow <laughs> still are trying to poke holes. And yeah. it's like. Yeah. We have a bunch of options. Like, let's just appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Watch these players develop, and, and we'll see what happens in five months. But four years—that's really when this group right. is going to start to mature. And, and I mean, the, obviously, Miles Robinson. You guys know how I feel about him. He—he's. Yeah. I thought that's a big loss. I think just yep. with mm-hmm. yep. h- how good, how he can physically dominate a game, yep. and, and he has cover. It doesn't matter. You can push yeah. guys forward, and he's going to cover that depth and be able to to track attackers down. But it, that's going to be a, a, an interesting one to see who yeah. can lock down. I love Aaron Long. I think he's a really athletic guy too. Um, maybe not to the same extent that Miles is, but I mean, he plays in that Red Bull system. That's go 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 go. His fitness is really good. He's strong. He's good in the air. Decent enough passer of the ball. I mean, I, that's who I go with. But there are so many. Other guys, EPB, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, is is a guy who, personally, I want to, to play there. But mm-hmm. man, I, goalkeeper will be interesting, yeah. too. Matt Turner, for me, is definitely the number one. Um, but, I mean, I mean there's comes, so many good options. It comes good, back so to that depth, options. though, that we were yes. talking about. Yep. I mean, that's going to be so important. And just, like, to put a cherry on the, the number nine. I mean, even if it 
wasn't a perfect game for Ferreira in all areas. He's going to be, one, better from the experience, and two, as you were talking about some of his strengths, I think when you're looking at those different positions on the field and, and who's going to start where and who maybe locks down those spots, it's what makes the strengths of the team stronger. And he does make one of the biggest strengths of this team, which is the midfield, stronger with his style of play. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you on 2026. This team's going to be even more ready, but I'm not willing to write off this one because I think these young guys are brash. I don't think they're afraid. I don't think Ferreira's afraid. I think he's got the gumption and the, and the swagger to go play on a big stage and catch some, some countries by surprise this time around. These next few months, when the fall starts in Europe, are going to be so big in some of these areas, and the decisions that players are making as to where they are going to play are going to make such a big impact. Because let's let's think about it. This time last year, like you said, it was all Ricardo Pepe when he was banging in goals for FC Dallas. He goes to Augsburg, doesn't score any goals, and now is he going to be in the mix? Where does where does he end up playing? You know this yeah. this coming fall, Jean Luc Busio, can yeah. he get himself in? If this move happens with you know. Um, uh, Aronson going to Leeds. How does he play there? Now that he's going to be playing on a bottom table team in England instead of a top table team mm -hmm. in, in Austria. Matt Turner has made the calculated decision to go be the number two at Arsenal instead of the number one at New England, and he thinks that's going to help his chances. These are all, these are all difficult decisions to be made by these players. They are. They are. But I, this is... I don't think Matt Turner made that decision to think I'm going to go be the number two. I think he's thinking of it as, one, you are an Arsenal fan, so one of the <laughs> biggest clubs, though, in the world wants to sign you. Yep. You, as a player, it just, I thought I was the best winger in MLS when, when I played. <laughs> right. That's not true. That Nobody objectively would, would say that, but me, that's what, how I felt. Matt Turner, I, he's not thinking I'm going to be the backup. He's thinking, I'm going to go there and take that number one job, and that's going to be mine. And this is an opportunity that he couldn't turn down to go to one of the biggest clubs in the world. So I don't fault him for that at all. It's more interesting the the, the field players and how those guys are. Brendan Aronson obviously switching leagues like that. But, man, he's got that 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 yeah. fire like him. about him, man. Yeah, I, I like that's him. why I love him. Yeah. I, I love watching him play. No, yeah. it's a it's a – huge move and, and one where I, I think when you look at how important these next few months are like you said it's like who's going to take some of those opportunities and, and have it make them better and put them in an even greater position than they may even be in right now because like I and Jacob I'm curious like your thoughts on this because I think you could get into like the question of well you know what puts some of these players in the best position to make that that final roster and you know what do they need to get from these clubs like what 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 can they give these clubs and, and what can they put out there? What product can they put on the field to put themselves in good position? But what can these clubs also provide them to help put them from a training standpoint and from just a day-to-day -day competition around them standpoint to put them in good position? Well, I mean, Cause to answer the first part, they, they to me, you got to be getting some minutes. you got to yeah. be playing. And it doesn't really – I mean, talk about there's going to be a surprise guy yeah. that somehow – Maybe we're not even talking about him right now, or maybe Brandon Vasquez keeps scoring crazy goals for, for FC Cincinnati, and he sneaks on, on yeah. the team. I mean, Hercules Gomez, when, when he left Kansas City and he was like, oh, uh, I don't really think he's good enough for MLS, he goes down to, to Mexico and absolutely crushes 
Mexico, leads the league in scoring, and he's starting for the U.S. in the World Cup six months later. So there's going to be a surprise, um, but it's got to guys got to be getting minutes. It doesn't matter if you're as a field player. I think especially it does you have to be playing games, and we have too many. We have too much depth mm-hmm. for for if you're not in form and playing. That it's not just because you play for X club anymore. You yeah. have to have that consistency. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to have Uri Rozelle join us when we come back. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts and stream your video content. And, of course, we're presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are happy to be joined now by midfielder for Sporting Kansas City, Uri Russell. Uri, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. And how are you feeling after a little bit of a break? I feel like you guys really needed it after seven games in 22 days. What was it like to have a little bit of time down? Yeah, for sure. It's It's been great, you know, have a little bit of a reset and and – especially for the body because with that many games also like traveling it, it was it was a tough schedule i think i i never had it uh, as packed as as these couple uh, uh weeks so yeah it's it's good to have a uh, some days off so what did that time off look like for you did you get out of town did you stay in kansas city what did you do yeah so uh we actually went to colorado oh nice uh, we did some the of the trails in the Rocky Mountain just to to chill there, so it was it was a great a great time to reset. You and your wife? Yeah. Are you guys very outdoorsy? Yeah, we like it. We 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 really like you know nature and 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 I think since we have the possibility to 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 go there and the national park, it was it was a good choice for for some days. Did you go to Rocky Mountain National Park? Is uh-huh. that where you went? Yeah. Did you hike some mountains? Did you, I mean, how aggressive were you with the hikes? No, no, no not yeah. crazy hikes, but yeah. but definitely one one day we did we did a bit of a hike, which was nice to see. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit snowy up there, but but it was it was so nice. I know that there are some other like outdoorsmen on the team. Did you get any tips from any of your teammates or did you guys <laughs> just we're going? Well no actually actually yes. Uh Roger Roger Spinoza uh kinda gave me some some things to do there. Uh especially that trail that, that we that we talked before. So it was it was good to have uh somebody that kinda uh gives you some, some guidance. I would have gotten lost. Yeah you're giving <laughs> me some uh some happy memories because my family and I, for about five years, about like, well, we had aunts and uncles and cousins, 15 to 20 of us, right over Memorial Day weekend, basically roughly the same time a year, would go to Estes Park, which is a little town right on the border of uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and go hiking. And I love it because, I don't know about you, but for me, I have a difficult time just sitting around. Like, if I'm just laying at a beach chair all day long, I start to get a little antsy. Right. Um, I like to be up in the mountains like in Colorado because you can go do some things but it's still relaxing at the right, same time. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. So we, we stayed at Estes Park. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So it was good, you know, and, and also trying to uh go to the local restaurants and, and, mm-hmm. and kinda have the 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 full experience. Little ice cream shops yeah, along exactly. downtown yeah. and all that. It's, it's yeah, it's really nice. It's a beautiful little spot. Well that's good. Yeah. So so what do you think of the Rocky Mountains? I mean had you spent much time 
up in the mountains in the United States before? Uh, so yeah, well, I, I would like to go more, and probably when once my career is done, I'm I'm gonna do that. But uh, I went to the Grand Canyon, uh, Zion Park, and Bryce Park. So, so far. I, you know, I was actually thinking about this. Um, one of the things that is great about the United States is because the country is so big. You can see a lot of different types of places. You right. know, you can go to beaches, you can go to the mountains, you can uh -huh. go to swamps, you can go kind of all these different, you know, parts of uh, of the world all in one country. Over in Europe, I feel like there's you almost have to go to different countries, right? Right. So, did you do a lot of mountain stuff? Did you Switzerland is the place I always think of if I think of mountains in Europe. Did you did you do a lot of mountain stuff growing uh, up in Europe? Yeah, so uh where I live is like an hour from Barcelona, but also an hour from the Pyrenees okay. uh, in France. Oh, nice. So we used to go there skiing yeah. uh, and do some, some running there and trail. So it's always been kind of in my blood. And uh, my past four years were in Orlando. So it was good to, to have beach and, and sun, but I didn't have uh, the, the mountains. Yeah. Uh, and here in Kansas City, we, we have some, but n not as, as big uh, as in Colorado. So it was the perfect timing. And since it's kind of close, so that's why we, we I chose love, to go there. I love to ski. Like, that's one of my favorite. I did it a lot growing up and then went a few years, like, where we didn't go skiing. And then my fiancé, almost husband, is a, like, he's obsessed with skiing. So we've gone, like, four times together in, like, the four years we've been together. But that, It's not a cheap hobby. It is not. But when you're only <laughs> going for two people, it's yeah. a lot different than when you're trying to bring the whole that's family. That's true. I took my family uh, one time, yeah. and I was like, I think I'm still paying for that trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, Uri, what is your, what's the coolest place you've ever been? Uh, well, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I've been, uh, I had the luck to to go to a lot of places uh, and and I think kind of each one it sounds like a cliche right but uh, it kind of gives you a different perspective and and has good things uh, but obviously I want to I want to keep doing it more and I want I feel like once you start uh, traveling and see new things you you, you don't want to stop right so um, definitely I'm looking forward for that. We're visiting with uh, Uri Rossell, and uh, we're going to get back to the team here in a little bit, but it's just kind of fun to get a chance to connect with you and get to know you a little bit. And we've had a, we've had this running joke uh, as a broadcast crew a little bit that it seems like every person we get who comes to Sporting Kansas City who is of Catalan origin <laughs> is like this really thoughtful, uh, intelligent um, I mean, just I'm sound, nice. Yeah, just like just very gen, nice. genuinely very nice, nice person. Fonty, you, Elie, it's there's like this, this, uh, is that just the culture? Are we <laughs> lucky? Do we just happen to get three great guys that are from that area? Or is that something that's in the culture of, of where you grew up? Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm flattered <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like um, just the 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 fact that, that we are from the same place and, and the culture is it's it's pretty much the same so it may it may have some influence on that um and i feel like just the fact also that uh i left home early kind of gives you also uh, a little bit of more more perspective uh, uh as a as individual as a person so i think that that always will help to to be to be better but thank you. <laughs> so when you say you left home early, how old were you? 
So I was mm, 19 when I came here the first yeah. time. Yeah. Well, but in terms of like joining the so I, I I assumed you meant actually joining this, the academy in, in Barcelona. How old were you when you joined? And did you still stay at home when you did that? Or yeah. So actually, yeah. So uh, Barca, what what they did is if you were living uh, outside of Barcelona, they would put like a taxi and and you would still be in your hometown and and then uh, every day you would go to Barcelona to train and they will bring you back uh, unless you are from like three hours away or four hours away that then probably you have to stay there yeah so how did that all come about so you're like what 14 years yeah. old you're a young kid how what what was going on before uh, you joined the the youth system there yeah so I was in my my hometown which is uh, 4,000 people there, uh, small, small one. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I did a couple of the years there, and then a bigger club uh, called me to, to go there, and, and I was there, and then uh, I had the possibility to go to Real Madrid, uh, which was crazy because I, I was playing in small uh, little towns, and, and there was that guy that came and said, hey, uh, talk to my mom, say, hey, <laughs> we, want, we want Uri to, to be in Real Madrid. And and she was like, "Are you joking?" <laughs> <laughs> and and no, no. And and they they flew us back uh, to Madrid to show the stadium, to see the, the facilities. But since I was um, very young, uh, I had to to stay there at the at the academy, and and I didn't wanna leave my hometown. And and there was the possibility to go to uh, Espanyol, which is like the the rivalry in, in FC mm -hmm. Barcelona. And I did one year there, and then I went to Barça for seven years, and then here. So a town of 4,000 people. It was cool. We had Johnny Russell on the show. This was a few weeks, maybe a couple months back, and he was talking to us about playing just backyard football in Scotland growing up uh -huh. and, and what that looked like. What did kind of playing on the playground with your friends look like uh, in, in where you grew up? Right. So uh, where I used to live, my house was right in front of the school that I was going, and, and we had like a... Uh, soccer, soccer place there, but it was like uh, concrete. Mm. And I all the time, when we had uh, some some time off during the school, we would go there, and then uh, after the school, we were still there. And and this this is how it started. I didn't uh, go to the to to academy or whatever. I just played there. And and when I was um, older enough to to tell to my my parents look all my friends are going to to the academy can i can i go there and then it's when i went there i feel like playing on concrete is probably good for your touch too yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and for your knees too yeah <laughs> not so much you, you gotta be you gotta stay on your feet right right <laughs> um so you you go to the barca academy la masia mm -hmm. um i f i get this sense that there's such an education process. The, we know that Barcelona, they have this system. They have players that they see for different positions. Your position, the six, is a very important one, obviously. Right. Um, could you describe what the learning process is like as a kid there? Maybe Because I feel like talking to you, talking to Ilié, you, you get the sense you're talking to somebody who has some really strong ideas about the game of soccer and mm -hmm. how it should be played. What was that education process like? Yeah, I think in our position uh, in Barcelona, uh, it, it was very important to, to understand that that you are the one who who has to read the game probably the best 
because uh, the, the way they w they were playing, they they want to have the possession, they want to uh, uh, put the team under pressure and be always in a good position to recover the ball back w when you lose it attacking. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I learned early on it was just looking at the, the the players in the first team, which was Busquets, Xavi, mm -hmm. Iniesta, all of these guys. What they did really well was. Uh, understand where they have to be on the field and 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 checking everything uh, before the, the, the they get the ball right. So you have an edge, just knowing exactly the picture uh, before you get the ball. Then you don't even have to think if somebody's coming through you or not. You already know where you're gonna pass it. So so you just focus on the on the technique. So. Uh, I try to do that uh, until now. I'm, I'm trying to do it because it's so easy to get caught up on the game just watching the ball. That 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 then is shit. I'm getting the ball. How am I? I'm I'm in a good position or 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 then it's when you 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 try to to see where the the teammate is and 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 they and they will steal the ball from you. So uh, I think that's that's one of the the the, the qualities that you have to have and the, the better. Uh, you do that, the better uh, you are as a player. Do you feel that was always naturally a strength of yours, your ability to read the game, or was was it something that you really had to teach yourself? I, I would say both. Uh, obviously, you have to have something to, to be in Barcelona, um, but definitely I, I just uh, try to learn as much as possible from the first team and also from the coaches. And and that and that was my only thought. Just try to 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 do your best uh, you can be, and 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 then things work out. But if it didn't, at least I was uh, uh, I had my mind uh, in peace because I I try my best. Was there ever a, a time where that you can remember, like just a big learning moment, whether it was in a game or a training session, where something happened and it just kind of shifted in your mind how? You maybe went going forward, maybe a mistake that you made, or or a conversation with a player or a coach that that happened. Uh, I have a I had a few a few key turning points, and 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 I think it's more uh, as a as a personal uh, connection with with a coach that kind of gives you the the confidence to to and encourage you to to do better. And since I was a kid, and and obviously uh, Peter, when I arrived here, was was one of one of those coaches so and and i think that when they give you the this confidence and 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 you you kind of believe it that you can do it and and then it's it's way way more easier so one of the things that you talked about the big responsibility in the system is because it's a system that's designed on attacking that the six has to be able to be in a position to win the ball back if you lose possession shut off those counterattacks Another part of the, the thing that's impressive to me, though, is I think we see sixes in other systems that can cover all kinds of ground and win tackles and break plays up, but they, not, they might not be great with the ball at their feet playing under pressure. And in this system, you're asked to play out of the back right. even when the other team is pressing. And I feel, as a person who's not very skilled on the ball myself, <laughs> when I'm in that situation and my back is to pressure, Right right in front of my my own goal the most dangerous place in the field to lose the ball absolutely your teammates have to have the confidence to know that when they're in trouble they can play the ball to you and that you're going to deal with uh -huh. it were you always good at that i mean how how hard was it to learn that part of the right job? yeah so uh, that's that's a great point because it's it's really true so when you get the ball in those moments you you just got to 
gotta be very focused that that you cannot miss it because if you miss it you have the center backs wide open and it's a it's a clean shot so uh definitely in those moments uh anything can happen but uh, overall i feel like uh, if you if you are consistent doing these things uh it will help the team more than the errors that you will make uh obviously you cannot miss too many times but uh, i think it's worth it and um and one of the things that I've done uh, when I was younger, it was like a lot of first touches uh, with my right or with my left. Because as a midfielder, you don't know uh, where you're going to get the ball from. And even like the long passes, it's something that I really work on because uh, sometimes you, you cannot do it just with your right foot. You just got to, sometimes the ball is in your left, so you got to pass with your left uh, as 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 better as you can. How do you practice because you mentioned those first touches. How do you practice playing with pressure that's coming from behind you? Because I do notice with players such as yourself, you always seem to know which way to turn mm-hmm. um, and how to set the, def- the, the, the opponent up so that, that you can get him going to the wrong side. Do you, is there a way to practice that, or do you have to get out in game action and, and, and work on that? No, you definitely can can practice these. Uh, there, there are some exercises that you can do, but also I feel like uh, good players, what they do with their passes is kind of telling you where you have the opponent. So when, when I have to play a ball forward to one of my other midfielders, uh, I'll just try to give them the ball where they have the space or so they can turn easily than rather than than play the ball where the, the opponent is because then it's uh, I'm making their life way way more difficult. Mm-hmm. So Uri moving now into present day, you know, back with Sporting Kansas City this season. Um today's Tuesday that we're uh, that we're taping this and we're out at training today watching a lot of there was a lot of uh, just kind of technical drills that you guys seem to be working on um, and you specifically were working with some of the more advanced midfielders chipping some balls into the box you scored a couple <laughs> of uh, on your own as well what are some other parts of your game that you're maybe working on uh, and looking to develop yeah definitely those ones I think uh, can can make the, the most impact because um, when when you can like switch the ball uh, try to find some uh, uh, some runs that they make the the the, the left the left uh, wing or even the midfielders. If you get the ball right, uh, it's it's pretty much one versus the the keeper. So uh, I feel like if I can keep improving those those uh, passes, will will give us a little bit more of uh, um, I would say fear to the to the other team. I I feel like. The results against Vancouver at the very end of that stretch of seven games was unfortunate because I felt like you guys were really actually starting to play some of the best soccer you played all year. Um, and you were showing some character mm-hmm. with all of the different adversity and injuries that you were dealing with at the time. To have that result, I'm sure, was disappointing. But now that you've got a little bit of time, you know, where you guys all got to go away, like we talked about going to Colorado and all of that. As you come back, do you still feel like you can build off of some of the good things that you were doing during the, those stretch of games? No, absolutely. And and as you said, it, it was hard first because we had a lot of a lot of games during a short period of time, and then the other one uh, were the injuries. So the, a lot of guys had to play and play and play and play and keep playing. When usually with these situations, uh, you have a another guys that can step in, and 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 then you don't have this. 
this weight on your legs, which probably didn't happen as much as, as as it happened to us to other teams. So that's an advantage to them. But sometimes you you get five guys injured, seven. You 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 never know. So, but but definitely I think that we can uh, grab a, a lot of good things from 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 these games, even. Uh, the results didn't came as as well as we as we wanted, but uh, there's still a lot of a lot of uh, in front of us, and definitely we will do our best to 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 jump up. So Uri, one thing that I wanted to make sure we brought up, and we're running out of time with you here, is your musical abilities. That was <laughs> something that people love about Uri Rizal. You're a music critic. You play guitar. Really fun moment in preseason when you guys were out and you got up and joined the band at one of the right. places that you were at for <laughs> dinner. Um, you know, just uh, have you picked up any new instruments? We learned that Ben Sweat was playing the ukulele when he was having his ACL recovery. So I feel like the more and more I talk to some of the guys, I'm like, we've got a real band situation here. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be cool too. Yeah. Something. <laughs> no, but definitely since I was eight years old, I played drums uh, and that's my my thing. And, and I have uh, one at home and... And it's good, you know. Just go there. You you take the stress out. Uh, you you are more creative. You listen the songs that you like. So I think it's good. It's good and I can kind of help you with the coordination because you yeah. gotta do four different things with the legs and and the arms. So so my my dad played drums and we had a drum set at my house growing up. But my mom because he stopped playing. But yet we, the four kids, would go down and play and just about drove her crazy. So we got rid of the drums. <laughs> Banging on um, drums all the time. <laughs> Who is your favorite? Is there? Do you have any favorite drummers that we that we might have heard of or anything uh, like that? Well, uh, I have a few that you probably don't know, but right. but the 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 one that I really liked was the one who died was the the Foo Fighters. Yeah, the drummer yeah. lately. Yeah, uh, that was that was sad. Have you seen the videos of this little girl that got up on stage and played with the Foo Fighters? No. Played the drums. You'll have to. I can't remember the it's girl's cute. name. Um, Nandi. Her name is Nandi. Okay. If you go on social media, Dave Grohl got her up on stage and she played the drums and he wrote a song for her and played the drums to oh, it. And then he's cool. he's been sending her videos of certain songs to play the drums and then she'll she'll play them and send the videos back. It's it, this back and forth on social That's media. It's adorable. really, cool. really, really cool. Do you so, write yeah. songs? No, 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 no. Okay. I'll just maybe someday. I'll yeah. just play. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great stuff. Hey, Uri, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck coming up uh, this weekend against New England. Thank you so much, guys. It was Thanks, fun. Uri. All right, there's the drummer on the, uh, <laughs> on the on the on the the Ringo star of Sporting Kansas City, or <laughs> Neil Peart, or I don't know, one of those guys. Uh, Uri Rossell joins us right here. We'll be back to uh, preview this big matchup between Sporting Kansas City and the New England Revolution national television game coming up on Sunday at Children's Mercy Park. Right after this, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up quickly on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. Had a great conversation with Uri Rizal. Now let's quickly look ahead to the game this coming weekend. Sunday at Children's Mercy Park should be another beautiful day, hopefully at 2 o'clock, as Sporting KC take on the New England Revolution. These are two teams that I think a lot of us thought we were going to see an MLS Cup final last year as they were two of the better teams all regular season. Both teams had a disappointing showing in the playoffs. And now both teams have either had injuries or players get sold and are, all, and are having a tough time backing it up this year. And, Jacob, now we've got news that Adam Buxa uh, has played his last game for New England. So now they've sold Tejan Buchanan, Matt Turner, 
Buxa from that team. They've made $24 million, I believe, reportedly mm -hmm. in those three sales. But uh, this is kind of new wave MLS, right? Like you get a great player and then you might be selling them on. you got to have somebody lined up to back them up right away. I mean, if you would have told me that, that Sporting and New England are where they are right now after the seasons, I thought they were Seattle you could throw in there, but the three best teams in, yeah. in the league last year, right? And, and I, I, New England had a rough start with, with CCL and, and just a collapse in CCL down, down in Mexico when they had the 3-0 lead. But recently, they've been rounding into form, and – Five games unbeaten. Um, they played Philadelphia their their last game, outshot them twenty two to five. And Philly's one of the best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt though that when you take over, take out your leading goal scorer, yeah. seven goals with Buxa, sell him for ten million ten million ish. Mm -hmm. um, take out goalkeeper of the year, at least perennially. Yeah. Um, I mean they're going to struggle, and they have struggled at the goalkeeping position and that's going to be something to watch but it's still a dangerous team I yeah. mean you yeah. still have the the reigning MVP and Carlos Hill he just pulls the strings seven assists on the year their fullbacks get high and, and wide and Brandon by shout out to Portage Michigan because that's where Brandon by is from he's got what two goals four assists on the year I think he's been the best right back in MLS this this season uh Jones on the other side also has three assists so they're dangerous going forward still. They've got good players. They just had a had a struggle. As sporting fans know, CCL can take yeah. that out of you, especially at the start uh, if you have a collapse like they did. Yeah, but for Sporting KC, like, to be coming off of this break that was much needed, was out at training today talking to Peter Vermees, talking to some of the players, and just could really get that sense that it was a really good reset. It was a really lively training session today. They're finally back to a more normal week of preparation without all the midweek games so getting to kind of work on and fine-tune some things still trying to get some guys in form though but Graham Zussi was back in training Nikola Voinovich back in training Kyrie Shelton back in training so some of the bodies are starting to come back still gonna be without Daniel Shallowy who's on international duty but Marino Shanice should be back um, so starting to see more healthy bodies for sporting which is a good sign and I think even though that game against Vancouver you know kind of ended that that long stretch of seven games in 22 days in a way that you know was disappointing for the team it wasn't uh the best performance and three points were dropped there were still a lot of results during that stretch that I think were good building blocks for the team and, and you kind of get this sense that there is optimism but at the same time it's you know cautious optimism where it's like yeah we there's still a lot of season left we we've got some good things starting to build but if we continue to put ourselves in a hole or, or make steps backwards it's going to get to a point and that's what Johnny said today that we can't climb ourselves out of that hole so I think that that has really you know been you know the mindset hey we're, we're optimistic we can turn it around but we know that there's not a lot of time to waste anymore okay so maybe a renewed sense of urgency and energy for sporting kansas city coming off the break i think they were still rounding into better form and playing better soccer maybe ran out a little gas in mm -hmm. that vancouver game and we'll see if they can build off of that now going into this uh, stretch of the summer that's coming up. The dog days of the MLS schedule are coming up. Maybe Sporting can make a move then. For Ali Trost and Jacob Peterson, this is Nate Bucati. Of course, Jordan Burrell making sure everything works smoothly here on the show today. We've been presented by Michelob Ultra. We'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.